Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. To the Batmobile. Atomic batteries to power. Hello and welcome to the very first official episode of the Dark Knight News Podcast. My name is Steve, I'm one of your hosts here today, and with me in a very non-confusing manner is my co-host, Steve. (laughs) So it's not going to be confusing for anyone. And as in this episode, we're going to be getting straight into it, because we've got the launch week for Justice League, we have one of the other writers from Dark Knight News joining us here at the guest this week, and I would like to welcome to the microphone, Eric. How are you, buddy? Hi, how are you? So let's get straight into it. With this week, we saw the release of uh, Justice League. Now, I think what we're probably going to do yes. is we'll probably splice a little bit of news in while we're talking about it. We should warn everyone that if yeah. you have not seen the film, we are going to be spoiling it. More spoilers than Stephanie Brown's laundry service. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the three of us here now. Let's um, seeing Eric is the special guest. We should let the guests go first. Why don't you tell us what you thought of it, Eric? It's a huge step up from Batman vs Superman, which which I actually absolutely detested as a movie. It is just overall Justice League is a it's a bit of a hot mess as far as like narrative goes. But where where I personally feel like it shines is that. It had really good character interactions between all the heroes, um, between Batman and Flash, between Batman and Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman and Cyborg, um, Flash and pretty much everybody, Superman and uh, and pretty much everybody. It, uh, it it really shines there, and that's where the strength of the film really lies. Um, but overall, it's, it, it kind of averages out to, to be okay, not terrible, but it's not super great uh, film. But... Uh, what about your guys' opinions? I personally think it was a huge step down um, from Batman versus Superman. But then again, I am such a Batman nerd that, that one thing I do love about this movie is they got Superman spot on. The costume, the attitude, the personality. As I said, the character interaction in this film are absolutely brilliant. But I do believe that Batman was almost redundant and uh, 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 an almost unnecessary afterthought in this movie and that really really upset me yeah yeah i feel like that one of the weaknesses is that they didn't really quite clarify why each individual character i mean i know batman brought them together but that's about it you can make that argument that that's why batman is important but someone like say aquaman i really don't know what he contributed to the team that say wonder woman or superman could have done better it was the bro dog attitude that's that's what he brought to it now, now for myself, I um, it seems like we have a a didn't like. We have a in the middle, and I'm going to be going on the the other end of it. And I loved this movie. There were there were obviously issues, but I mean, really going into it, if you'd followed any kind of press with Justice League, you knew that this thing it it wasn't going to be a perfect movie going into it because there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But I found myself um by the time we reached the um the lord of the rings battle 
the Amazons, uh, the Atlanteans, uh, the elves and the hobbits and the, and the Green Latin, I found myself actually sitting back in my chair, very relaxed and just enjoying it. Now, I'm the same as, as Eric on this one. I detested Batman versus Superman. I've been very vocal as well in my dislike for Zack Snyder in general. I don't appreciate the amount of times that Batman committed vehicular homicide in Batman mm. versus Superman. I think it was very, very uncalled for. And I don't think he had a real grasp on the character of either Batman or yes. Superman. Yes. But this movie was, for me, a course correction in the DC universe. It's the first time I've been... Now, fair enough, we've only caught a quick glimpse of him in Suicide Squad and in... Uh, Batman versus Superman, but it's the first time I've enjoyed both his Batman and his Superman. So that's where we are going into this. Yeah, I, I, I will say though, I didn't hate the film. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was good, but I, I think it was a bit of a wasted opportunity because it really had all the possibilities of, of being great. And that's that's what, I'm just nitpicking. I just I need to see it again. I do need to sit and watch it again. So, in Batman's words, you didn't not not like it. Exactly, spot. Yeah, I never didn't yeah. not like. Really, not. Yeah, you didn't not not like it. All right. Well, let's. I mean, <laughs> what I'd like to do is we're going to go through and break it down. What I'd like to do though is start off on a positive note. And what I would like to know from the two of you guys is what did you enjoy about this film? What did you what did you see, and what did you what would you have liked to have seen more of? Like I said, I really enjoyed the character interactions between the films. I I felt like pretty much everybody had a uh, had good chemistry between each other. All the all the superheroes um, had good chemistry between each other. Um, There's a lot of good bantering going on, and it's it's more or less pretty uh, pretty much in character, like their characterizations from previous films or or what have you. I really enjoyed that a lot. I particularly enjoyed. Superman's banter. Uh, once he once he was fully resurrected and he was a little bit more cognizant of where he was and and what happened, he's he was a lot more just open and warmer. And I really thought that was very Superman esque, where he's where he'll he'll joke around, but like his joking is different from say Spider Man's joking, where he where Spider Man jokes because he's like has this nervous tick. Like Superman's joking around to kind of. Um, put people at ease he's doing he, everything almost all his actions he does is for the benefit of, of other people and i thought that really kind of came through uh especially in the tense battle scenes where where he and cyborg had to had to destroy the mother boxes and he's and he's making some uh, some quippy one-liners and <laughs> to make cyborg laugh and same thing with the flash as well and I, it really came through as he he really looked like um the father of the Justice League in the sense of he's very, very paternal, very caring, very open and, um, and trying to help people like his team members and, and civilians. Yeah. Cool. So, and, and Steve, what, what's, what's your positive takeaway from, from Justice League? I'd have to echo Eric's sentiments. Definitely that what saved this film and made it a seven rather than a five or a six it is the characters, the, the way they were, believable real uh whedon's dialogue i think is better than what we would have had otherwise because he knows how to write teams he knows how to write people 
talking to each other, joking with each other, interacting with each other. Uh, the other strength I've got to say is, apart from not using his actual face, um, Kieran Hines, who played Steppenwolf, should have been under prosthetics. That CGI face was awful. And apart from, uh, obviously, Mr. Cavill's top lip CGI, I thought the battle scenes, the action sequences, the CGI and the effects were brilliant, Other than, apart from those instances. And my favourite part of the whole film was hearing Danny Elfman um, cutting loose again and hearing bits of John Williams' Superman, uh, both the, the main Superman theme and the, the love theme that he flew around with Lois Lane being used again. And, and his Batman is still the best Batman theme ever. And uh, that tied in with the visuals. Oh, that, that just really made me happy when, when that happened on screen. It was superb. Now, the, the Danny Elfman thing, that was, that was a Whedon call. Yeah, because it was going to be JXL, wasn't it? Junkie XL. The thing I'm I'm loving at the moment, and it's nothing to do with Danny Elfman, but you mentioned score, so I wanted to bring it up. Is I love that that Wonder Woman has her own theme. Yes, I mean, we've got that with B- BVS, and it's brilliant. Those drums go on, and then the she now has a, her own very recognisable theme. That if you were to play it somewhere, just completely separately, you'd know it's a Wonder Woman theme. Absolutely, and the fact they've all used it, they adapted it for her movie, and they've adapted it again for this one, but it's still there. Oh. Love it. That's that's up there with my morning coffee to get me woken up in the morning. That theme. <laughs> <laughs> that, that theme. I put it on blasting when I leave the house. It gets me going. It's a great theme for when you go try to hit the gym and you want to get pumped up. I went to the gym once. I think 1992 it was. <laughs> but where do you guys sit as far as um, where do you sit as far as Snyder and Whedon go? Not versus, but just as two separate directors. How do you guys sit with the two of them? A lot of these jokes and, and bantering is is all pure Whedon. Not to say that uh, Zack Snyder can't um, create like different banter in a in a movie like this, but there's just some things that are very Whedon esque. Like there's a scene where it was uh, the Russian family was watching the pair of demons come uh, like come out through the portal, and then yeah, I didn't under- I didn't understand the Russian family. I, that, that was one point during the film where I was going to like, if we didn't have this Russian family, we would have more Justice League. So much effort was made to save these four people. These four people. <laughs> the amount of effort expended on these four people. Yeah. <laughs> they had to have, like, the human side of it, someone we could root for who was in danger from all these invading hordes and it's been done in new york and washington and wherever else a million times so they will say hey let's be different and have the people that are in trouble in russia for a change Uh, that's all it was it was to have the human side of the story and i I thought the bug spray joke was brilliant considering what the parademons look like and how they fly and their really girly wings it's just you know what i want a superhero film maybe maybe it's just me i'm a bit fed up with seeing the human face of, of stuff. If that Russian family hadn't have been in there, I don't think I would have missed them. Because the point is, is it's the entire Earth at risk. And maybe I'm just heartless and maybe I wouldn't be a hero. Maybe I'd be a villain if I got superpowers. But it's four people. Not heartless at all. You're just you're an A1 super nerd like the rest of us. We want more action, kick-ass, and people in spandex beating the bejesus out of each other. But the rest of the universe wants to see some people always think, this is just a bunch of people in spandex beating the bejesus out of each other. <laughs> you know, leave the Russian family out of the director's cup. Yeah. I would say that the family was pretty 
unnecessary. I, like they kept on the the rate they they kept on showing them um, constantly in the movie. I kind of thought they were gonna there was gonna be a bigger payoff at the end with them instead of just being saved by Superman or or the Flash. I thought it was gonna they were gonna like have some sort of thing where they like tell the superheroes something special that that they didn't know about the parademons and that's what helps saves the day they were necessary but overused they could have been a lot less of them you know what let the parademons get them yeah agreed <laughs> you want to you want to show me the, sh- the human face show me sh- show me those people getting taken out so that we actually get some weight and we get some some stakes to it i mean they were going to die of radiation poisoning anyway with that reactor that they're living right next to I didn't quite understand that either. I I don't know why why they felt the need to set up the parademon shop at the nuclear reactor site. Did I I I didn't quite get the explanation. Well, that's probably because they chopped that film to pieces <laughs> to make it fit the ninety minutes slot. Yeah, well, apparently, wasn't there? There was a Snyder cut that was that was one hundred and eighty six minutes long. But apparently, according to sources, and and when I say sources, I could mean people on the internet who are lying. I could mean actual sources. But apparently, it was deemed unwatchable by Warner Brothers. What do they know? <laughs> Look what they did to poor old Ridley Scott with the original cut of Blade Runner, for Christ's sake. Come on, what do they know? Oh, oh, you know my feelings on Blade Runner as well, yep. Steve. We've, we've spoken about this. Yep. And the original cut compared to the final cut? Two completely different films. But I have watched the final cut since we since we spoke, and I do enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's all I mean by it. I enjoyed it more. Yeah, it's not your film. Interesting. I actually, I've never seen the final cut of it or the director's cut of Blade Runner. Have you seen the original theatrical? You know what? If you've seen Blade Runner at all and you're curious, check it out for sure. I didn't enjoy Blade Runner, but I enjoyed the the, the final cut more than than I enjoyed the the actual um, yep. theatrical. Yeah, it's one of my favourite movies of all time. I, I adore everything about that film, especially the final cut. I, I just enjoy directors being allowed to direct and tell the story they want to tell. I don't like censorship or studios or producers. Um, literally putting their finger into everybody else's art. I just, I know it's a business at the end of the day, but it's proven. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a need for director's cuts. Yeah, Zack Snyder is a director's cut director. Yeah, and whereas you see that as a negative, I see that as a positive. For for me, Zack Snyder, I feel like the director's cuts are are pretty excessive and and unnecessary. Um, I didn't really feel that that the Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition or whatever they called it was really added anything of importance to the film. It did explain certain plot points more, but it definitely did not make me enjoy or change my opinion about the film one way or another. I'm the dissenting voice because I loved both versions. <laughs> you know, I, I don't appreciate being told I've paid, just paid a full ticket price, um, but that wasn't the movie you were supposed to see. <laughs> I can appreciate that, but I don't like the way that everyone blames Snyder for that. That that should purely be blamed on the studio for that. You should be allowed to hate the version you want to okay, hate. So in that case, what I put forward as far as as far as Snyder goes is Sucker Punch, and that film is awful. It's almost unwatchable. <laughs> I watch it with no sound, just for the not, a <laughs> not a ringing endorsement. Not a ringing endorsement. I've actually never 
seen Sucker Punch, but I've seen so many previews in it. I've heard so many friends talk about it, and I'm very not interested in, in watching that kind of movie. It's the film that looks amazing, but has no real cohesive story. Um, it makes no sense, but I could still watch it all day long because it looks so lovely. I will admit that I am a, I am a big fan of um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. What yes. about uh, 300? I, I, do you know what? I had a really hard time watching that because it was, it was so CG. Oh. It was it was it was almost like there was there were points during this movie during Justice League, um, especially when um, Clark was on the farm, where the background it actually did look like it was um, it was CG'd in. Now I don't know if it was just the way it was filmed, but the the parts on the farm when Amy Adams and Henry Cavill were together, no problem, it looked like a real farm. But when you had the one shot of Henry Cavill, and he was just monologuing a little bit um i found it that i found the background to be very artificial it's probably one of those thousands of reinforced reshoots now i don't know about you guys but i felt like every single superman scene felt like a reshoot including the um his resurrection scene i tell you what that that resurrection scene now i don't i, I don't care if it was snyder or whedon for me, that resurrection scene is one of the single best um, experiences I've had in any comic book film ever. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It was fantastic. I enjoyed that so, so much. I wanted the entire film to be that plot line. I wanted it to be, you know, why did they stop it there? Why didn't they have it so that when Superman took off, he was still confused and, and discompobulated for, for quite some time? I think he probably was, but again, it was cut. Because where's that whole scene of him turning up at the Batcave and Alfred saying, ah, he said you'd come? Not in the film. But there yeah. See, there was a lot of stuff in the preview that wasn't in the film. Tons. Oh, man. Tons and tons and tons. So I, I think yeah, that was an original part because his lip looked real. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was almost real. like Rogue One. Like, there was a lot of stuff from Rogue One. And again, Rogue One was a movie that had two directors. And a lot of really? stuff from the trailer didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, Rogue One, actually, they went back and they, they reshot a lot of it without the original director because they wanted oh, to change yeah. it up, and he basically said no. So another director came in and did a, and did a lot of the, the reshoots for Rogue One. Oh, Very wow. similar to what was Justice League. Mm. But that's what I was going to say. The difference was Rogue One didn't feel like two directors, did it? It really didn't. It was because Zack Snyder and Justin have very different directing styles. Oh, chalk and cheese. Yeah. It really is. So you could really tell. Now, I wonder um, uh, if you guys can, because um, I couldn't when I was watching it, but I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of talk about people talking about the uh, the Henry Cavill <laughs> rubber lip. Um, now, maybe it was because I was sucked into the film a bit, but was it something you guys saw? Was it something that d- distracted you at all? I, I didn't really notice it. I didn't really spend too much time staring intensely at Henry Cavill's face. Maybe at the next time I next viewing of Justice League, I'll do it. But I, yeah, I, I kind of try to let it soak in. I try to uh, the experience soak in instead of just focusing on one aspect. But I mean, I'm told that it was highly distractible for a lot of people. No, I'm I'm just going to put it out there. Henry Cavill is that handsome a man. I do spend a lot of time staring intently at his face. Well, maybe his eyes, but, uh, you know, not his upper lip. 
he had a he had a Christopher Reeve quality about him in this film that I'd never seen before. Oh yes, oh I so agree with that completely. It it really felt like he's he's making uh, like I said earlier he's making jokes and he's doing it in a very um, hospitable, um, open, uh, warm way where he's doing it for other people's benefits, and I thought that really came through. So how did you feel about the um, the way that Superman just absolutely walked all over Batman in that, that resurrection scene and we got the tell me do you bleed line? He just grabs Batman by the face and and repeats the fact that... And it wasn't even by the neck either, was it? It was by the face. <laughs> that was so crazy. And I... It's one of those things where if it was a darker movie, I would just expect him to like squeeze and just blow off the, and just and just destroy his uh, whole head. He was going to go full on mountain Game of Thrones on him. Yeah, if it was like if it was more Game of Thrones esque, you would see like brains just explode on scene on screen. As far as like the actual scene goes, where he where he pretty much thrashes Batman, I felt like it's a good way of writing the course where. One of the reasons why I didn't care for Batman Superman is I felt that Superman went down too easily in the movie, in Batman vs. Superman. And it really should be realistically, come on. There's, he doesn't, Batman should not have that much of a chance against Superman, even with Kryptonite. Superman should be able to just zoom in and just like give him a real good thrashing with minimal effort. I'm going to remain quiet. <laughs> no, because I, I disagree because of especially the way Batman has been portrayed recently. So I've gone to this in more depth with, with poor old Steve that it has been overused. Now Batman has got to the point in comics now where he is almost the, 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 the God bat and that I don't believe in. I don't believe that he can be beaten. He really can, but he will come back stronger. Whereas the most common consensus these days is, well, no, he can't really be beaten. because He's got a thousand ways around everything. Yeah, well, maybe he does, but um, he went in, knowing Superman's weaknesses and was on top from the start. And Superman wasn't prepared. It was the complete opposite. You know, the whole thing of Batman's prep time. Superman had none. Batman had. That's why he did as well as he did. But that's just my my view on it. Well, I, I really enjoyed the fact that we, we got a line before before this scene where basically Batman said that he if it meant bringing Superman back, he was willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. That that was great. Now I, I have one problem with this with this movie, and it is the fact that no one seems to remember in this film that this whole thing about you know Superman brought hope to the world and Superman, uh, you know the whole world is in mourning and and everything. It, the world hated Superman in Batman versus Superman. He was this alien who was causing all of these problems and all of this bother and all of and all of this. He wasn't loved and adored. During Batman versus Superman, but all the scenes where he's out there in, in foreign lands and the way he's the, the people surround him and the flood and the bit in the desert, the world in general does see him as a savior, as hope, and, and as a hero. But it's the whole Trumpesque, we should be the power, we're the government side of it that didn't appreciate him until he gave his life. I yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I also felt like that that there wasn't enough of a mixed message of uh, people of people at least in America then. Um, showing their love and appreciation, man, they really, really felt like they really hated Superman. They were they had burning effigies of Superman in that movie. 
that's pretty crazy. But like I said, again, I I wish that they at least went with the more balanced look. Like um, like in the Spider Man movies, you can see that Spider Man is loved by certain sects of New York, and there's other times where there there's certain sects of of New York that they just don't trust them. I, I felt balanced from that, and I felt it was a little more natural when um when New Yorkers had to step up and like intervene with Spider-Man's uh, villain battles. But like with, with Batman versus Superman, it's just like they were just pour, full on pouring on the hate for Superman to the point where they're, you know, like I said, they had effigies of him. They had signs telling him go home um, and everything. It, it was too much. It was too much for me to see. And it didn't, it didn't feel natural or realistic that it went from, from that to after he died to to everyone's hugging and holding hands and and doing candlelight vigils it felt very unnatural it's like the, the level of mourning afterwards didn't match the level of affection I, I agree. that was that was shown yeah that's 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 where that's where i came unstuck with this film and i felt like that with with batman as well i mean batman um right up until the final moments of the film wanted superman dead now they fought together against doomsday but there was nothing that happened during that battle that in a major way should have had Batman talking about Superman the way he did, considering the level of distrust and paranoia that he had for him basically through the whole film. Oh, I don't know. The fact that he gave his life to save him even after he tried to kill him. Maybe Batman just realised, well, hang on, shit, Alfred was right. I'm just against this guy he's more powerful than me and I don't trust anyone with that kind of power. But at the end of the day, this guy had this power and he gave it all up to save me and everyone else. And I think maybe that's what the rest of the world saw too. It made me feel like, you know, when you, you see these people who are a Facebook friend with someone and then <laughs> when they actually pass away, they come out of the woodwork saying that they were their best friend. Actually, I hate that. Yeah. That's yeah, what Batman that was. Batman was, a, was he was a Facebook faker. That's what we had with Batman. <laughs> There's a part in in, uh, in Batman vs Superman where they right after Batman saves Martha Kent from um from Lu- uh, Luther's villains or Luther's uh, henchmen and and she go and he goes oh don't worry I'm a friend of your sons and I'm like seriously it was literally they showed literally less than ten minutes ago were you about to kill Superman. <laughs> He's got a cape. He's muscly. He's got the same jawline as my son. Yeah, they might be friends. Going back to um, briefly about uh, how you said that you you felt that that Batman was shortchanged in the in the Superman resurrection scene where Superman had no prep and he and he laid Batman out like nothing um, and that shouldn't have happened. I you could make the no 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 no. I don't disagree with what happened to Batman in in Justice League at all. Uh, Superman was in a rage. That that was fine. No, I don't. Uh, agree with uh, what was said in in Batman vs Superman that Superman should have had more of a chance against him. In Justice League, no, Superman was spot on, perfect. I wouldn't change a scene between them. But I do believe that Batman was shortchanged in the way he was. All he was was a bit of tech support and he kicked a couple of parademons. In terms of his necessary, him being necessary in the battle at the end or in the rest of the film, that's what I didn't like. But in, yeah. Oh yeah, I agree with that. They, they did not play up his... Um... His uh, yeah, strategies, strategies uh, his leadership skills. This, um, you go this way, you go that way. He was basically just uh, tech support. He was Oracle. He yeah. wasn't Batman. And they really, they, 
you could tell the film really bent over backwards to try to sort of make Batman semi-useful, but it's hard to do it when he's when they're fighting but tall um, apocalyptic generals. This was, I think, Warner Brothers trying to bring Superman back for the people who thought, I haven't seen Superman since Christopher Reeve. And sorry about all these Batman films, so we're going to give Batman a backseat. That's, that's well, what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to touch on what you've said about as far as uh, Batman's role in this film. Now, one thing which which I felt, there were two things going on with Batman. Is, is first, um, I don't think he expected to survive. I, th- I think that this was a guy who, who went into this knowing or feeling like he wasn't going to be coming out of it. And the other side of it is I feel like him putting together the Justice League almost felt like Batman's retirement plan to me because this Batman has been doing it for 20 years. And there were points during this film where I felt like he was he was over it. After what happened with Superman and after the guilt that he's feeling for taking Superman out and removing Superman from the world, that this Batman was ready to hang it up. And by bringing this team together and trying to push Wonder Woman forward into the leadership role so that he didn't have to take it, was so that he could take a step back himself. Yeah, that I agree. That's actually a really interesting, uh, like, plot, uh, character tracking point from from between the two movies, where Batman also felt like he needed to. He was getting close to the end of his uh, superhero career, but instead he thought that his legacy was to kill Superman. Um, and now it's the same thing here, but he's da- taking a very different approach to to him his retirement, quote unquote. Yeah. Now the only the thing the thing which I will agree with you now the reason uh, I bring this up is because you mentioned Batman in the back seat and and Batman as as tech support is I felt like that with once Superman came back I felt that way with most of the characters it felt to me that once Superman came back he didn't need anyone else yeah I'd agree with that as well actually yeah he took out Stephen Wolf he saved the apartment building when the Flash only saved four people in a car he was the one who split the mother box fair enough Cyborg had to do some tech support but yeah. everything even when Wonder Woman destroyed Stephen Wolf's axe it was because Superman froze it for her yeah you know and Aquaman I don't know what the hell Aquaman was doing in that final battle <laughs> he was clearly jumping around and stabbing parademons left and right but once again I don't know what Aquaman contributed that was unique to the team at dynamic at all, like powers wise. Well, they were in the middle of a, of almost like a, a, a barren land in a nuclear reactor, no water anywhere. <laughs> you know, they couldn't have taken Aquaman further away from his comfort zone if they if they had tried. And when they did bring him in earlier on in the film, it, he just happened to be swimming past Gotham Harbor when the walls broke. Oh yeah, it. <laughs> Like, I actually think he decided that he would join off, draw off to that chat with Mira. But again, it's probably in one of the unteen thousand cut scenes. <laughs> because where was um, Willem Dafoe, who was yeah, cut for supposed sure. to be in this film as, as his advisor? Um, again, it's got to be one of the unteen cut scenes because that's a big name actor, a uh, respected actor in a good role, one of Aquaman's most well-known supporting characters and was he even in that the theatrical cut nope no there he you was go. not so i thought I, I missed it but i, I don't think he was there but it seemed like so much of this film ended up on the cutting room floor now i will agree that there are parts of this film which just feel like a i think it was eric who who used the, the term it was a it was a hot mess it was 
you know, but it was for me, it was a, a massively enjoyable hot mess that I honestly, it, it after after Batman versus Superman, I was I was kind of done. I was like, oh, there's nothing. I'm not interested. This was this was terrible. This was horrible. At the end of Justice League, I was like, I want to see the next Justice League film. I want to see the next Batman film, and I really want a Man of Steel too. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree that it, it, it let me down, but it didn't switch me off the way Batman Superman seems to have switched off you guys and a lot of others. Whereas I, I came out Batman Superman excited as hell. I was thought, yes, I can't wait to see how they bring him back. But Justice League, I, I think, is because even though I was really happy with the team and the actors and the way they handled Superman, I was just really let down about the way they handled Batman. Um, but, you know, that's because I'm such a Batman nerd. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, I um, I do feel like the same where at least I felt more interested in at the end of Justice League for future films than I did for Batman vs Superman, where I just felt... Like I coming out of that it, it was an emotionally draining um, movie to watch, uh, or at some parts, and it and I did not feel enthusiasm for for the um, for future movies from Batman vs Men. Um, so Justice League did succeed in that at least particular aspect where it, it got you excited enough where you felt you felt like I do want to see these characters more often again um, interacting and otherwise. We've now seen. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman outside of the Justice League. We have Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash. Out of those three characters, which solo movie are you most excited for out of the three? Flash. Oh, really? Why is that? I just thought out of all the characters in it, apart from the big three, he was the only one that really stood out. Um, He was the only one that had a personality, a family. Um, again, all the Iris West Allen scenes that were filmed and she was cast didn't make it into the film. He's got his dad. He's just joined the police force. He's going to be a forensic scientist. He's got a bit more impetus. And the fact of his scene capturing, capturing Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad, I just think he's a little more fleshed out than Cyborg and Aquaman are. I actually um, am excited to kind of see where they'll go with the Aquaman movie. Um Particularly because the strength, purely on the strength of Jason Momoa's um, performance of, of pretty much Aquaman being a like a gym bro who who just goes around and kind of and kind of pumps other people up and he's and he's kind of cool that way. I I I know that's not really like Aquaman's personality in the comics, but between this movie and say Aquaman in the Batman Brave and Bold cartoon. I kind of feel like those are, those are better interpretations of Aquaman and obviously almost the weakest one. He was brilliant in the, in the Brave and the Bold. He was fantastic. I love that that Aquaman. But I've mentioned this to Steve already, Eric, so I will I will throw it at you. Um you mentioned Aquaman's performance or Jason yeah. Momoa's performance in this film with Aquaman. I don't think we got a performance. I think Jason Momoa was just being Jason Momoa. I think that... And I love every second of it. And it's so cool. I know. I understand that. Yeah, I understand that as a complaint. Um, it, it, it's kind of the same thing with, uh, say, uh, you know, there's some actors that are big names and you just kind of let them go and do their thing. And you don't really give them that much direction. And it works wonderfully. Like, a good example is 
Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Just kind of let him go uh, and give him brief ideas yeah. of what to do. But for the most part, it's Robert Downey Jr. being full on Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they are getting paid a lot of money just to be Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Essentially, he's being himself. And all we, the only difference is that he has to wear a CGI suit while he's being himself. And he gets paid $50 million a picture for because of it. Yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Now, do you, think, do you think Jason Momoa can sustain a, a feature film I think I think he can. Um, uh, Jason Momoa is a pretty a pretty well known name thanks to thanks to Game of Thrones, uh, and I know that going into Justice League, there's a there's a poll where they where they took before people went to see the movie, and they said that, and like a good sixty percent of people said that part of the reason they're going to see the movie is just for Jason Momoa alone, and not even dis- and that's disregarding all the other things that are going on in that movie. Um, so I think uh, Jason Momoa-led Aquaman movie has a lot of potential. There's there's a good cast. It has Nicole Kidman as Willem Dafoe. It has Amber Heard. Um, it has a it has a, a good decent director, Jason Wan from the Fast and Furious movies. And Jason Momoa is is very he. You can definitely make the argument he's not. He, doesn't really play Aquaman, but just himself. But it, it's a very funny, very interesting um, uh, personality, and I definitely would be would pay money to go watch that movie. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that in that aspect. See, I just I just don't think we saw enough of Aquaman in this film. Like he really didn't. If if he hadn't have been there, what would not have happened the same? I guess the Justice League would have drowned earlier. In the current cut, not a lot. But again, there's more there that we haven't seen, I'm sure of it. He wasn't just swimming around Gotham Bay. He'd gone to Mira. He'd gone to Volko. He decided, yeah, actually, you know what? I need to do this because my home has been invaded. Our mother box has been taken. Probably uh, Steppenwolf must have killed a few people that he knew and respected and cared about and he decided no this is my fight too yeah well i mean i'm not not looking forward to it you know i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> you know okay bruce <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got a three-way split here i'm interested to see a cyborg film i thought he had one of the most interesting starts as far as uh, the three not seen before characters go i thought that the the opening scene where you first saw Cyborg for the first time with his father in the apartment and what was going on there between them and he was talking about how every day he wakes up and there's something new, inability to fully control the the suit, the, the issues that, that Cyborg himself seems to have. I thought that that could make for a really good, um, solid, in the hands of the right director and a good scriptwriter, um, I thought that the, the character of Cyborg could really sustain... Uh, a film that had a really good emotional core to it. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. It, there's a lot of like little nuggets and teases that he, that were said in the beginning uh, in his introduction scene that really plants the seeds for a for potentially a really interesting movie in that aspect. Unfortunately for me, Cyborg of all the new characters was definitely the most forgettable because I don't really see a much of personality. Is coming through on them at all, and that's no fault of Ray Fisher's. I feel like he did an amazing job, but like script wise, he was kind of just like the guy to to explain tech stuff and to and to pull 
and and to do the final thing with the mother boxes uh, at the end of battle. But personality wise, I didn't really see much going on other than him kind of sulking around because he's because he's newly freshly cyborg and not and and stuff. But I don't really know much beyond that. I did like his scenes with the with the Flash. Him and, and the Flash. I did. I did think it. To tell you the truth, it's one of the few times this film actually did make me step back and go, "Oh, that's that's not what I was expecting." I, I wasn't expecting to see a grave robbing scene. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it great though that at the end of this film, all three of us have come away with something from the three characters who weren't the main characters, who, who weren't Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman, that each of us has seen something in the other three that we believe that they could not just carry their own movie but, but do a good job at it. So I think that's another success of the film because each one of us have seen something in the supporting characters to, to give them more life that we'd like to see more of. So I'm really happy about that. Well, I agree. I, yeah, I, I think that is definitely one of the uh, bright spots of the film. They do make you want to care enough about about the characters where you're you potentially be interested in seeing a see i wouldn't have a problem if you know how we're we're getting at the moment where where the marvel characters are starting to cross over with each other quite fluidly like i wouldn't be opposed to seeing a flash film that has a lot of cyborg in it i wouldn't be opposed to seeing i think it would be difficult for cyborg to turn up in aquaman because water and electricity just don't mix you know (laughs) and we'll probably just see cyborg either sinking or getting electrocuted for yeah. half of the film, one of the two. But it would be nice if... Because, I mean, obviously Batman versus Superman has already set that up. We've had Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman all in the same film. We've now gone into Justice League. We've seen Batman in Suicide Squad. And Flash. And Flash. Uh, there was a brief mention of uh, Batman in, in Wonder Woman. So it would be nice to see this universe kind of... Instead of trying to rigidly say, OK, well, next we've got a Flash film, next we've got a Cyborg film if we could get some kind of um, organic yeah, yeah. kind of flow with the characters. Absolutely. That, that's the magic. That's the squee moment, isn't it, when you see all these characters get together. That's what I'm loving about the CW shows with a big crossover coming up. When a character appears in another character's series, when Felicity turns up in the Central City and seeing Flash in Suicide Squad, seeing Batman in Suicide Squad, oh, I love it when they cross over and it feels like a cohesive universe, which is what Marvel are doing so brilliantly. Yeah. Now uh, there's something which I want to run past you guys, which is with a $94 million opening. Now Batman versus Superman, as much as you uh, say that you love it, Steve, I'm going to have to point something out for you. The Batman versus Superman had a 70% drop off in its second weekend. I think that was due to negative press and bad reviews as well, though, not just. And a terrible film. Mm. That's uh, open to conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> $94 million is, is not a great opening for, for this movie. Batman vs. Superman opened at $166 million. Uh, Man of Steel opened at $116 million. And Suicide Squad opened up at $134 million. Wonder Woman opened up at $103 million. This is the lowest opening weekend out of any of the DC films that we've had so far. Um, it did do well internationally. It was $185 million. But if this film is not a box office success... First of all, are we going to see a scaling back of what DC's plans are moving forward? But if they can't pull a decent second weekend, is this the end of Zack Snyder's reign? I think that was over before this film was even released, to be honest, because of the amount of backlash over 70, 80, 90% of viewers. It's sad, but I hate to say it, 
But yeah, I do believe this is going to have a negative, which is why I'm praying, even though for me it wasn't the greatest film in the world, that it really does pick up and more people do see it due to word of mouth and ignoring the goddamn cynical assholes the critics are, pardon my friend. <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, Zack Snyder was kind of already kind of on out already before the movie was released. And like also due to his personal family um, uh, tragedy and emergency, I just don't foresee Zack Snyder taking on a huge creative role anymore in DC Universe, DCEU, other than as like a producer or executive producer. But actually, I read an article about uh, on Forbes about Justice League's low opening and how it could potentially affect not just DC movies, but all superhero movies. And they did a really interesting analysis where they said that that a lot of the top box office um, superhero movies they, uh, that uh, that did lose some money, it tends to have been the DCEU movies. And then on the lower side, uh, the, on the other side, the, the ones that made the most profit were actually uh, the Fox um, X-Men movies. So like Deadpool, which made like over 700 million, I believe, worldwide. And it was only made for less than... Yeah, it was a, it was a $56 million budget. Um, Logan, uh, another rated R superhero movie, it was made for a pretty, uh, pretty small amount, but it made a huge amount of money compared to, uh, compared to other movies. And, um, and so I think uh, Forbes said that there might be a chance that due to Justice League, we'll see a scaling back of budgets of all superhero movies and seeing that that maybe they could just be made for a hundred million instead of for two hundred million. If you make it doesn't matter what it is, if you make something for two hundred million dollars, I mean, really, odds are that you're mm-hmm. probably not going to see a return. Yeah. Like the, the, going into some of these films, they must know that they're they're going to lose a hundred million dollars. I mean, ninety four million dollars. This there's no way. I don't understand how anything in this world can be deemed a failure if it makes $94 million. Uh, apparently, including advertising and stuff, the lowest projection for what this cost to make was $200 million. Yeah, that's money I can't even imagine. I heard that um, it was closer to $300 million, which is an uh, insane amount of money to put into any movie, even if it's a Justice League movie. Well, see, Batman versus Superman made $166 million in its first weekend. In its second weekend, it made fifty. It cost fifty-five million. It it made. It dropped. It dropped. As I said, seventy percent. And at the time, Batman versus Superman, we still haven't Oof. gotten a legitimate costing. There's been. It might have cost this much. It might have cost this cost this much. Batman versus Superman was the most expensive film ever. Really? Made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look it up, it was the most expensive film at the time ever made. Now whether. Marvel have come out and topped that, but yeah, the most expensive film ever made. And look at the look at kind of like what it's left in its wake. Everything since then has been an attempted course correction. It'll be very very interesting to see where this DC universe goes moving forward. Now, if they're anything like the comic books, they should have no problem rebooting every couple of years. Well, with Flashpoint coming up, I think that's the way they're looking at it. With with Affleck again allegedly saying he wants to move on, and Jake Gyllenhaal's name already being thrown into that that quickly. Um, but are we going to see Jake Gyllenhaal as Bruce Wayne? Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. You Darko. haven't heard about this? Donnie Darko. Yeah. It's been touted for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep. That's my complete title opinion. 
Well, but didn't a lot of us say that about Ben Affleck when he was first cast? I wasn't. I wasn't a doubter. I wasn't a ledger doubter, and I wasn't an Affleck doubter. You know, that's... I was. A, I was a bit of an Affleck doubter at the beginning, not ledger because <sighs> I didn't kind of actually. Jack Gyllenhaal. What the? What is? What is he going to bring to it? But not only that, who is he going to be? Is he going to be Bruce Wayne, or are they going to go straight into Dick Grayson as Batman? Now, I, I enjoyed this film. I've made no secret of it. I do not like how this film has set up the DC Universe going forward. Batman's been around for 20 years, which means we've got yeah. a, a Dick Grayson out there somewhere because it's obviously Jason Todd who was in the, the suit which which uh, the Joker took out, which means we've got a Nightwing and a Batman who have been operating by themselves mm-hmm. with none of the awesome stuff that goes along with Batman and Nightwing like like the Titans, you know, um, a, a Batgirl movie is being made but what's what's the possibility that she's going to have been around for 10 years they're going to want some 20 something year old playing yeah playing batgirl so she's going to be brand new there's no building blocks to this universe on the screen that's my big that's my big problem that's the the thing i take away Mm -hmm. from justice league of the next yeah it's the way and unfortunately that's that's because the foundation of batman versus superman was to set up the universe so strangely where where Batman's been around for such a long time, he's retirement, and then everyone else, and then all the other superheroes just sort of pop up near the end of his career, allegedly. Yep. Um, and it's really strange that that there's a DCEU, and the only other prior superhero to Batman was Wonder Woman, who apparently was only around during World War One, and then promptly retired for a hundred years. It's just so the whole thing is really oddly set up. Justice League kind of went over the whole idea of. She was out of commission for a really long time because um, she was mourning the death, the death of Steve Trevor from the end of the Wonder Woman movie. So, <laughs> I so I don't know how they're going to explain that the, her sequel. It's possible that she could be pulled out for for a mission somehow, or gets gets roped into one, and you know, and obviously no one knows who Wonder Woman is, so she was able to do it on the sly a little bit, and she didn't really involve herself in Man's World. I bet that they kind of go down down that kind of route with it. With the DC Universe, you've got this amazing, rich history of the Justice Society who served during World War II. Like you mentioned, Wonder Woman's been around forever. We can't have had a Green Lantern before whatever Green Lantern ends up appearing, and we know that's going to be rushed as as anything. Um, So Batman versus Superman basically destroyed any chance of being able to use DC's history from before Man of Steel. And I blame Zack Snyder. I blame Zack Snyder. I personally feel like he just really wanted to make a Dark Knight Returns movie, and he had to put Superman in there somewhere. It was a creative choice to make Batman twenty years, uh, been Batman for twenty years. That's a. I feel like that's a very Zack Snyder choice, not a Warner Brothers executive movie fair choice. Uh, I'm just keen on hearing both of your thoughts on the the final scene. At the end of the credits, where we get to see the return of the most annoying character, worst villain, and uh, terribly acted Lex Luthor that we have had in the entire movie history. So let's start with you, Steve. How did you how did you go with a little Easter egg that we had at the end, where we have uh, Deathstroke and Lex Luthor deciding it is time to bring in a league of their own? Um, in all honesty, this is exactly how it went in the cinema. First of all, it was oh god, Eisenberg, and holy shit, Deathstroke. That was that was literally it. So um, happy about one, 
distressed and upset about the other. And you think that maybe um, this is the way that we're going with with Justice League Two, or do you think we're going to get some kind of Marvel thing where they start to to pluck villains from? So just say we get a Flash, and we're getting Aquaman. So do you think during Aquaman, it's possible that we may get a, a stinger at the end of the credits where uh, Luther approaches uh, Black Manta, Ocean Master, whatever it is they're going to be calling him in the film? Are we going to see the the, the the collection of the Injustice League. I really hope so. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the way they're going to do it. So, Eric, do you think that we're going to end up seeing a, a, a Hall of Doom in the swamp? Uh, I hope you. I hope we'll see the the Hall of Doom rise up from the swamp, um, and I hope to see a collection of uh, like opposite version of the heroes be be a supervillain team. I'm genuinely surprised Marvel hasn't gone that route with their Avengers movies. Uh, so the fact that DC is doing it, it's at least that they have that over Marvel right now, where they could potentially start off with uh, their own superhero, super villain um, esque uh, movie, or or at least like collection of, of super villains. And I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm on board with with both of you. I, I think it would be great if if this is the if they can look at this and see this is the the pathway, this is the route that the DC universe needs to go down because it is different. Like Eric just said, it is different from what Marvel are doing. We've got the collection of the Infinity Stones as the main driving force for the Marvel movies. It'd be great to see DC actually create some fantastic villains, and then by the time we hit Justice League two, um, we've actually got a league versus a league. And it would be nice to see Lex's intelligence come out and for him to be almost like a Grant Morrison version of, of Lex Luthor with that Injustice League. So um, so final thoughts, has this conversation changed anyone's view on how they felt about Justice League in general? Or are we leaving the same way we came in? Yeah, I feel like it's still the same. I definitely feel a little bit more... Um, it's more interesting to see Batman's like growth from Batman vs Superman and how it connects with Justice League. How we were talking about him, uh, he's he retired, but or he's nearing retirement, and he kind of approached uh, approached that in a different way than in Batman vs Superman. So in that sense, I came up with a little bit more appreciation for Justice League. But still, overall, it's a hard movie to Justice League is a hard movie to kind of say this is an outright amazing movie because it wasn't super like technically on a technical level it wasn't super well done um great character moments great interactions good chemistry but it's hard to to like say the rest of the movie was was as great as that as i said i i didn't hate it i i liked it i i wish i'd liked it more but um i am definitely intrigued as to how they're going to move forward now and really really just can't wait to see uh what else the the d6 and the universe throws at us so I'm going in with an open mind. I'm not going to let anything uh, take away from it because I love these characters. I love this universe so much that I just want to see it succeed. And um, I'm going to finish up by saying I thought this film was amazing and anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So we would like to thank you very much for joining us here today, Eric. As we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you are one of the writers on Dark Knight News. So they can find your writings on there. And is there anywhere else on the interweb that you would like to let people know that they can they can find you and drop you a line. If- uh, sure, I'm uh, I am uh, one of the writers at Dark Knight News. So if you frequent the website, I am I am there. Um, outside of Dark Knight News, I also have my own um, Instagram art blog 
set up. So if people wanted to drop me a line or or see other stuff that I've done related to superheroes, related to DC or Marvel stuff or other art pieces, you could you could go visit my uh, my Instagram page, which is at Mealy Art. Um, yeah, and uh, I look forward to seeing if anyone wants to come and and have dissenting opinions about Justice League with me. And Mr. Mr. Ray, can you let people know where they can find you on the interweb? You are also one of the, the writers at uh, Dark Knight News. And where else can people find you on the, the interweb? I can be found and discovered at L underscore Steve-O on Twitter. That's E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. And on my own website, fantasticuniverses.com. And you can find me um, on Twitter under The Detention Pod. Uh, the Saturday Detention Podcast is the other podcast which I do on a regular basis. Uh, that's where I do most of my damage. And apart from that, you can also find me on Dark Knight News. So once again, thanks for being here today, Eric. And thank you for having me. It is farewell from me. And it's good night from then. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.